We are in Exodus chapter 20. It's going to be on the screen here behind me. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. In six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreign residing in your town. For in the six days of the Lord made heavens and earth, the seas and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." Honor your father and mother so that they may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of God for us, the people of God, and together we say, thanks be to God. All right, let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. May the words of my mouth and meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. And all God's people said? Amen. All right, so there's the answers to the test right here. They're on the screen here behind me. How'd you do? Did you get them all? You knew all 10 and you knew them all in the exact order that they come? We're gonna organize this series in three different ways. Um, Today, as we talk about what the Ten Commandments are, um, we're going to talk next week about the commandments that give us instructions about how the people were supposed to relate to God. There are 10 of these commandments, but they kind of fall into three categories. The first is how the people were supposed to relate to God. The next week, we're going to talk about the commandments that give instructions for how they're supposed to relate to each other. And then lastly, on the fourth week, we'll talk about how these commandments and what the commandments were that taught us how to relate to ourselves and to themselves that introspective work. But this morning, we're gonna begin the series um, to, by setting the stage on how we should consider the Ten Commandments and the Old Testament as a whole. Uh, because it is important to remember that we are not Jewish. If you, you might be, there might be somebody here who is Jewish, but me, I'm a pastor in a Christian church. This is a Christian church, and I know that sounds obvious, but sometimes we read the Old Testament as if we are as if we think we are Jewish. Sometimes we read the words of the Old Testament and we try to apply them the same way an Israelite in the ancient Near East would. But we are people of Easter. We are the people who call ourselves Christians. And so we can only read the Bible through the lens of Jesus Christ. We follow Jesus and it colors everything about the way we live our lives. Our relationship to Christ impacts how we think, how we act, and how we read the Bible. And so as we consider the Ten Commandments, it's important to remember that we are only doing so through the lens of Jesus and how Jesus related to the Ten Commandments. And I think there are three important questions that can help us get there. 
that can help us understand about the relationship between Jesus and these 10 commandments. The first is what, where did the 10 commandments come from? Where did they come from? The, the, the second is what did Jesus have to say about them? And the third is what does the church do with them now? All right, so that's our roadmap. That's how we're gonna begin this conversation about these 10 commandments. And so let's begin with that first question. Where do they come from? And by that, I mean, how did the Israelites get them and how did they use them? Maybe you remember in the second book of the Bible, Moses was raised by Egyptians, um, but eventually he fled Egypt. He himself was an Israelite. One day he left Egypt and he reconnected with his people. And God then called him to go rescue the rest of the Israelites that were slaves in Egypt. And we get this real epic back and forth between Moses and Pharaoh and these 10 commandments. And eventually Pharaoh lets the people go, but he changes his mind, he chases them away and they all leave. And they head to this area Southeast of Egypt called the Sinai region. And they call it the Sinai region because that's the name of the mountain where the people were camped out. For a long time, they were camped there. And while they were there, God called Moses to come up on the mountain. He said, come up on the mountain in this great cloud of smoke. And Moses went up there and that's where chapter 20 begins. What we just read begins with Moses' people camped out there at the bottom of Mount Sinai and then Moses going up there. And the text is the first thing God tells him. He tells, take these back to your people. And he gives these 10 commandments as the foundation of the relationship between God and the Israelites. I mean, that's what the 10 commandments were. They were not only cool things to remember, but they were the foundation of the relationship that governed how the people related to God and to one another. But the 10 commandments were not the only thing God said. If, if you continue reading, there are more laws and more rules that God gives Moses to take down. And if you read the whole first five books of the Bible, there are 613 rules. 613 mitzvahs, they are called, these laws that the Israelites are supposed to follow. They're supposed to follow these rules so they can be in right relationship with God. And the 10 commandments are, are the primary version of that. And these rules range from everything about worshiping God to paying taxes. <laughs> they, everything about like how to do sacrifices and land ownership. Commonly in the New Testament, the first five books of the Bible are referred to as the law. You hear Paul talk about the law a lot in his letters. And the law is all about how the people were supposed to relate to God. The Ten Commandments are the foundation of the law. And according to their theology, as you heard within the Ten Commandments, if you obey the law, if you do the rules, follow them, then God will honor you and you will receive blessing. If you break the law and you break the rules and you don't follow what God told you to do, you will be cursed and bad things would happen. And so think of the Ten Commandments as the, the bedrock of all this. It's like our, our constitution. We have a lot of laws that are added to our judicial system, but the constitution is the foundation of it all. That's what these Ten Commandments were for the Israelites. And as a faithful Jewish person, Jesus knew them very well. Jesus knew all the law, actually. He was familiar with the Ten Commandments, but, but he was familiar with all the mitzvahs, which brings us to that second question. Uh, what did Jesus have to say about them? Throughout the Gospels, you hear Jesus doing all sorts of legal work, which just sounds strange. Did you know that Jesus was a lawyer? He's actually a carpenter. But if you listen, he's given all sorts of like briefs and interpretations of laws in the same way that we would hear somebody in a lawyer or judicial person doing the same thing. Because there's no difference for the Israelites between civic law and religious law. 
Like here we got rules at church, supposed to follow the rules and be a good person. And then out there you've got other rules that the government gives us and never the two shall meet, right? But that wasn't the case for the Israelites. The rules of the church were the rules of society. And so Jesus was doing legal work, but it was from a theological perspective. When he gave his interpretations, it was about how they were supposed to behave in society and what their religious beliefs and practices were all about. And Jesus did this all the time. If you ever heard or read the phrase in the Bible where Jesus says, you've heard it said, or it is written, he's referring to a law in the Old Testament. He's referring to some rule that was given and now he's giving his perspective on that rule. Jesus does it all the time. Think about this, for example, whenever Jesus says this, he says, "Um, you've heard it said, uh, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy, right? Well, Jesus has this running experience where he is often doing the things that breaks the rules on the Sabbath day. They said in the the early instructions that the Jewish people had that they were not supposed to, to walk a certain amount of feet from their house. They're not supposed to cook. They're supposed to eat leftovers. And there's Jesus all the time. He's picking grain from the field. He's walking around and eventually he's even healing people on the Sabbath day. And so the religious authorities, they, they say to him, Jesus, you should know better. You should have waited until the weekend was over. And Jesus would say, you know, I think you've taken this commandment a little bit too far. Jesus had, it might seem like he had a complicated relationship with the Ten Commandments, right? He's always reinterpreting the laws and saying different things and he's seemingly breaking what is supposed to be the rule of how to do the Sabbath day and he's doing what the people tell him not to do. But on the other hand, there's other times where Jesus is saying that they're not taking the laws far enough. There's sometimes where Jesus is saying, you're following the letter of the law, but, but not the spirit. Like in the Sermon on the Mount, he said, you've heard it said, there's that phrase, you shall not murder. Sure enough, that is commandment number five. We just read it. Don't murder. But Jesus goes on to say, I tell you though, that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. And anyone says, you fool, will be in danger of hellfire. And just a little bit later, Jesus says, you've heard it said, a law, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than the whole part of your body to be thrown into hell. So Jesus is saying, you know, you, you know what the rules are. You know the laws, but, but that's not enough. You should actually do more. You know, the, the rule of the law says an eye for an eye, right? And Jesus says, actually, if somebody hits you on your cheek, turn and give them the other cheek. If your neighbor is thirsty, give them something to drink. If your enemy is hungry, give him something to eat. And then somebody one time came up to Jesus and asked him, hey, all these rules, all these laws, which one of them is actually the most important? Which one of these laws is the greatest. Which of the 10 commandments is the one that we should follow above all the other laws? And Jesus replied and said in the book of Matthew, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all the laws and all the prophets hang on these two commandments. What's crazy is, This is a direct quote from the Old Testament. Jesus is saying these are two most important laws, two most important commandments. And neither of them are in the 10 commandments directly like that. 
That's actually um, from the book, uh, you can find this in Deuteronomy. (laughs) It's called the Shema. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength. But then he adds on the neighbor as yourself. Jesus says everything about the Ten Commandments and everything about the rest of the laws, all the rules, they all hang on these, on these two words, on these two things that you should know above all else. The laws, the stories of the prophets, the Ten Commandments, they can all be summarized in this way. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. And that is the best reflection of Jesus's life and the way that he was teaching and his mission in the world. Jesus loved God and everything he did was to love others. All of his healings, all of his teaching, the way he he was going around and showing people a new reality. It was all meant to do this thing, to teach people to love God and to love one another. I know it sounds simple, It might even sound cliche because we say it a lot. I think we all know this to be true. But whenever we think about what do the Ten Commandments have to say to us, I think we sometimes miss that. And so that last question, how do we read the Old Testament? How do we read the Ten Commandments? What do they have to say to us now? Well, I think it's important first to look to how the early church handled this, how the early church thought about these 10 commandments and the law. You know, most of the early Christians were Jewish that then became Christians. And they knew these rules, they knew these laws just like Jesus and they were trying to follow them until they started following Jesus and they started wondering, what is the relationship between these 10 commandments and the rest of the law and our following Jesus? This was actually, we we talked about this last week. This was the, the subject of the first debate in the church. If you didn't know it, church arguments didn't just start this year. They've been going on since the first century. And the very first one happens in Acts 15. And they're having this conversation about what is right when it comes to Christians and the amount of the law they have to follow. Should they follow any of the law or should they not? Peter and Paul and the early disciples, they're having this argument about what is appropriate when it comes to the 10 commandments, when it comes to following the rules and the laws. And what they settled on was that they said, uh, Peter even said this, he said, it was too much of a burden for us to handle, so why should we place that burden on others? They decided the law was too hard for the Israelites rule by rule to follow, so how can they ask non-Jewish people to follow it to the letter of the law also? They decided the law and its strictness was no longer necessary because Jesus had fulfilled it. And by believing in Jesus and following the examples and the teachings of Christ, they would be fulfilling the intention behind the law. Now, that doesn't mean they just dismissed everything out of hand as if it was, didn't matter anymore. It also doesn't mean that they said, okay, now you can live basically the opposite of all the laws, right? That now things are contrary. Just because we don't have to follow it to the letter doesn't mean that now you can just do whatever you want to do. But they were saying, and, and Paul writes like this to the church in Rome about this very thing. When it comes to what the law is, he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sinful? Certainly not. I would not have known what sin was had it not been for the law. For I would have not known what coveting really was if the law had not said you should not covet. But sin, seizing the opportunity afforded me by the commandment, produced in me every kind of coveting. Paul's pointing out that the law showed us and showed the people what was right from wrong, what they should do and what they shouldn't do. He now knows what coveting is and that he shouldn't do it. And so he started seeing that in his life. When we realize the thing that we're doing is wrong, (laughs) 
all of a sudden we can see that we've been doing wrong all along and we can try to work to stop doing that. But Paul also recognized that stopping doing that, (laughs) stopping sin, being holy is very hard. And in fact, on our own, it's impossible. And that's where Jesus comes in. That's where Jesus shows us that apart from him, we can do nothing to make ourselves holy. The people were trying to follow these rules. They knew what was right for wrong, but they broke the covenant all the time. And so again, from the letter to the Romans, Paul says this, apart from the law of the righteousness of God, but apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets, they were all testifying. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. For all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, but we are all justified freely by the grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice and atonement. And through that shedding of his blood, we received by faith. The law and the 10 commandments were supposed to be for the people, the way to be reconciled to God. The foundation of these rules was these 10 commandments. And they're supposed to be, if you follow them, you can atone for your sins and you can be forgiven and you can live a righteous life. But the people couldn't do it. They failed over and over, which should sound familiar because we also fail over and over. How many times have you known right from wrong, but chosen to do the very thing you know you're not supposed to do? How many times have you said, I long to not do this evil thing, but I cannot stop doing the thing that I know I shouldn't be doing? The Israelites had the same problem. It is part of our human condition. And so God sent Jesus. When we couldn't keep up our end of the bargain, Jesus keeps up both ends of the bargain for us. Jesus' sacrifice was so that we can be forgiven for sin and have eternal life that we are no longer bound by the rules of the law, but that through faith in Jesus, we can be saved and we can be forgiven and we can enter. That doesn't mean we get to go on sinning just because God's got this. It doesn't mean we do the opposite of the law. It doesn't mean that we now go about doing the things we know we're not supposed to do, but it means that Jesus Christ has overcome everything and that through our life with him, we can be made holy. So if Jesus fulfilled the law, and if Paul says we're not justified apart from the the law, we we are justified through Jesus, uh, what does this mean about how we should now read the Ten Commandments then? What is the, 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 the thing about these Ten Commandments we should take away on this first week of this series? Well, the first thing is that they're not the most important part of the Bible. If you're here today, you already know that, I bet, right? What's the most important part of the Bible? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus is the lens through which we see it all. The Ten Commandments don't supersede Jesus, but they teach us how to live more like him. So let me say it this way. If you take anything away from this morning, take this. The way that you read the Ten Commandments should cause you to love God and love your neighbors more. Because that's what they're trying to do. That's what Jesus came to show. That's what the fulfillment means. If you read the Ten Commandments in a way that causes barriers to be built up between you and other people, you're reading them wrong. If you read the Ten Commandments as some set of rules 
um, that makes having a relationship with God harder than you're reading them wrong. If the, the Ten Commandments become a rubric for you to judge other people's faith, then they are not causing you to love God and love others more. Because Jesus said they can all be summed up like that. When you read all 10 of these commandments, whenever you learn what these rules are, when you internalize them in your life, then they should point you to God, to Jesus. And the evidence of that is that you will love God more and you will love others more. Over the next few weeks, we'll look at each commandment specifically and ask, how does this commandment help us to love God and love others more? Some of them are kind of easy and obvious, right? Don't murder. If you don't murder, you're definitely gonna be loving somebody more than if you were murdering. (laughs) Others take a little more thought. What does it look like if you have a complicated relationship with your parents to honor them? And how do we understand how that points us to? And that's why we're doing this work. We are revisiting something maybe all of us have known our whole lives. We learn about these 10 commandments when we were kids and we say, you know, this is really important. You should memorize these and you should know them, but why? (laughs) And what are they for? Well, they're for this. It'll help us love God and love others. If the way you read the 10 commandments does anything else than that, if they do anything but help you love God and others, then you should probably find a new way to read them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.